everybody. This is Chris. And Kathy. We wanted to take a minute to thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate every listener and are grateful for this platform. Please help us share our vision by subscribing to our show through your favorite streaming app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. Check out our ever-growing list of affiliates and sponsors. Simply go to the show notes for information and links. And be sure to use our promo code PETPOD22, that's P-E-T-P-O-D-2-2, on checkout to receive your discount from our affiliates. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Alon Landa, CEO of MedcoVet, and I'm a proud sponsor of PetAbility. We decided to partner with Chris and Kathy because, like them, we want to empower all pet owners who are trying to do the most for their pets. At MedcoVet, we specialize in advanced home laser therapy for pets. Laser therapy is a safe and effective treatment for common conditions like arthritis and wounds, and it relieves pain for most conditions caused by inflammation. With MedcoVet, pet owners can perform this treatment at home while receiving support from experienced clinicians. If you think your pet would benefit from healing at home, visit MedcoVet.com, and one of our clinical experts will work with you to determine if home laser therapy is the right fit for you and your pet. Tell them PetAbility sent you. Welcome to PetAbility. I'm your host, Kathy Simons. And I'm your host, Chris Cranston. Our podcast provides interviews and information to help your pets live their best lives. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? Hey, Kathy. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Chris, I'm doing really well because today is the most special day of all the days. Today, we are recording on May 3rd, 2022. And do you know what today is, Chris? Do tell. I don't. Today is Nationally Specially Abled Pets Day. That's amazing. Um, today, we celebrate all of our specially abled pets, and that's Aww. all the pets across the board, our dogs and our wheelchairs and our cats um, and our birds, everybody, anybody who's specially abled, it were being celebrated today. And those our are beta, our, our beta fish, our tortoises. Our, right, exactly. Everyone. So um, I'm really excited about that because I think that we should celebrate them just because they are, you know, a little bit. Maybe they move a little bit differently, but they're still our pets and we still love them and um, they deserve that. Absolutely. So I, I know, and I was watching the uh, television the other day. I was watching, I don't know what I was watching, probably The Price is Right, because I love The Price is Right. But um, I stopped, you know, it stopped for a second and I'm watching a commercial for um, Bissell. Have you seen this Bissell commercial, Chris? You know, I just saw it the other day and I I paused it and I called to my partner. I'm like, you got to come see this. Right. I was watching it and all of a sudden, they're they're talking about their Bissell vacuum and a dog appears on the screen who is in a wheelchair, a front end wheelchair. Yeah. So this dog, a front end wheelchair. Chris, I just lost it after that. I just, I paused it. I did the same thing. I was like, Tom, you got to come up here there's a dog and i and it's somebody that we follow on instagram um and the dog's name is austin rue and he is a two-legged dog in a wheelchair and he's doing a fantastic is a fantastic life so kudos to bissell um we're going to be talking to austin rue's parents in the future hopefully 
hopefully soon. Uh, but I love that they're being represented on on television and in commercials and celebrated. So um, we also have some really great news to share with the audience. Something great happened to us over the week, right, Chris? We sure did. We uh, we were contacted by a woman named Erica who had a hundred dog slings to donate to us brand new in the package. Um, and if you want to check out Erica, she actually is on Instagram. Uh, I believe her Instagram is silly monkey and she does uh, knitting and stuff like that, but she donated these harnesses to us and we're going to be able to help so many dogs with those harnesses, Chris. Yeah. The, I picked them up from her. She is a lovely woman and uh, so generous and kind. And she was so humble. She's like, oh, this is just a small donation. I'm like, no, this is a huge donation. So 50 medium, 50 large, they roll up. Um, they're great for you know, kind of maybe an emergency situ- situation, like you uh, put them in your, your car and you have it there just in case. Yeah. And um, yeah, maybe it's one of those Murphy's Laws things. If you prepare for it, you won't actually need it. I gave one to um, my groomer to keep at her shop just in case they needed something extra to help their patients get up or get up on the table. She was very grateful. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was it was wonderful. So thank you, Erica. And you can check Erica out again on Instagram at Silly Monkey. So just one final thought that I saw this week was in the New York Times, there is a official Guinness Book of World Record holder for the oldest living dog. They proved his actual age. He is a Chihuahua that lives in Florida, and he is over 21 years old. Now this Whoa. is yeah. Now this Whoa. isn't the oldest dog to ever live. That was, yeah. I think, an Australian Shepherd that lived to be twenty five, which is just <sighs> unreal. I know. Um, but this is currently living at this point in time, and I'm sure now that this has been publicized, there's going to be other people like, wait, 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 my dog's older. <laughs> um, but Guinness, Guinness had to, you know, prove the actual age, and this this woman has owned this. Chihuahua, since she rescued him, he was a rescue um, from a shelter when his elderly uh, couple family could no longer uh, care for him. And so she's had him since he was a puppy. So pretty cool. Go little, you go little Chi Chi, you go. Yes. The, The thing that really resonated with me is he goes out on several walks a day, a longer walk in the morning, several shorter walks throughout the day. And that's what we preach all the time. Keep them active, especially we know all these dogs get arthritis and movement is essential for managing arthritis. Chris, that's a fantastic story. Uh, Keep them moving. Even if it's just a little bit every day, move, move, move. Yep. Yep. Which is kind of a nice segue into our topic because today's topic is on massage and massage is another tool that we can use to address pain and keep our pets moving comfortably. And you know what, Chris, I think that people, they may not realize this, but I bet they do a little bit of massage unknowingly maybe with their pet anyway, like sort of naturally. It is very instinctive. So as you say, you're kind of unwittingly providing these therapeutic measures. I often say that, you know, massage isn't a whole lot different than petting. But it's just your matter of intention. So like you said, if people are kind of mindlessly, you know, petting their their dog or cat or other animal, 
when maybe they're watching TV, their focus is on the television. They don't even realize what they're doing, but they are providing therapeutic measures. If they turn their attention from the TV and did the quote petting with more intention, then -hmm. it becomes massage. And the more we practice, the better we get. And, and, and once you change the intention, we can then start targeting groups of muscle or, you know, along the back, we can do the shoulders. We could do the hips. I naturally sort of skin roll my dog too, because he's a pug and he's got a lot of extra skin. I don't know that people understand, but that's really actually a a technique too. that skin roll. And, you know, as I was thinking about this show today, I was struck by, you know, this is probably one of the oldest forms of quote, physical therapy that we have because, and, and, and I use that term, you know, kind of loosely, it is a physical measure. It's a physical modality that we're applying to a a being, a living creature Mm -hmm. to evoke therapeutic effects. So in that sense, it is a physical therapy. Right. this time. Yeah. And the things that we're doing, and it may seem benign, right? It might seem like it's that you're not doing that much. Maybe it seems like we're just, yeah, like we're petting and we're skin rolling. But really what's happening when you're doing that is uh, we're increasing uh, oxygen to the tissues and the tissues are getting rid of waste and the muscles are becoming more elastic and the the soreness of the muscles are decreasing. Um, and so even though it might not seem like a lot, right? It, it's very beneficial. Yes. So much benefit. Yes. Simply the laying on of the hands, you know, just, you know, get your hands on your dogs, people. And, you know, it does, it affects all systems of the body. So, you know, I think we typically go to the muscular system, right? When we think of massage, but it's affecting our nervous systems, our respiratory systems, our circulatory systems, which is not just blood flow, but also lymphatic flow. The lymph system gets rid of our waste. It is another system that requires movement and circulation of fluids throughout our body to make us feel our best. So um, yeah, you know, it's, it's affecting everything and, and yeah, let's expound on, on more of the benefits. You used a, um, an, an example in another episode that we, we talked about something and I, I don't remember which episode, but you, you were telling me, have you ever stubbed your toe on the coffee table? And I said, Oh, that's the worst. She said, what's the first thing you do? I said, I grab and I start rubbing the toe. Right. Yep. yep. And, yep. and I do it instinctually without thought because it makes it feel better. Right. 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 And, and, you know, and again, you might just kind of squeeze it and hold it initially. Right. Because it might hurt too much to to actually like rub your toenail or whatever. But then over time, as the inflammation is is dissipating and so forth, you do different things. So that kind of speaks to, um, you know, how we have to listen to our pets. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in that, you know, you're not applying the same technique, the same pressure, the same direction all the time. It's what are, what is the effect that you're trying to achieve? So that brings me back to benefits. Is it relaxation? You know, is your dog all wound up or is your cat stressed out because, you know, you, you brought a new pet into the household and they're like, 
gift. And, you know, you <laughs> want to go and have some bonding time and just relax them. So that's a different type of, of massage than maybe one where you're trying to wake up the nervous system. So then you're going to be more excitatory, more vigorous movements, um, circulation, swelling. Maybe, maybe they're, they're swelling from an injury is pooling south. You know, gravity takes things down towards the floor, toward the ground, if you will. So thus, like the dog's feet or the cat's feet. So you want to kind of squeeze and milk those fluids up to decrease that swelling. That's another benefit that can happen. And, and then with my toe analogy, decreasing pain, you know, um, in those muscles or in those tissues. That's one of the great benefits of massage therapy. And when you're doing that, uh, just that touching also, um, one, I think, you know, it helps, like you said, with reducing anxiety, but also think of the body awareness that we're giving this pet as well. So they, you know, they hurt their toe and, and you rub it and it feels better. Uh, but think about all the receptors in the feet and all the information that they're getting just by simply touching them. Right. And, and maybe that dog hasn't thought about their right back fourth digit in a long time. That seems yeah. silly. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of what we do as rehabbers is increasing that body awareness and specifically of the, like the hind feet, because they're the farthest from the brain. And right. so, you know, it's kind of becomes easy to become on autopilot um, as we, you know, our pets negotiate their environments and things and not really pay attention. And when our dogs have an injury or get older, they lose that sense of spatial awareness with their limbs. And so anything that we can do to promote that is going to be a good thing. Yeah. And maybe you don't think that there's great importance to the back left outside toe, but there really is. <laughs> it does a lot of stuff. Yeah. The uh, entire turn. body and, and, and yeah. touching areas that aren't normally uh, receiving stimulation. Right. So like an area that I think of is kind of like maybe the inner thigh. Right. right. There's right. so many muscles and things in there. And, you know, but because of that location, you know, unless your dog is one of those that flops on its back and, you know, spreads its legs open, you're probably not touching there a whole lot. But it's important to go everywhere. Right. Their right. armpits between their toes, their ears, um, the all the way line. down their the jaw the all the way down yeah. their tail. But let's put a caveat there too, that some dogs may have had trauma either physically or emotionally. And so maybe they don't like their tail touched or they've had a history of ear infections and they're very uh, reticent to have you massage their ears because of past experiences or maybe even uh, existing discomfort. So we have to pay attention and, and honor that and listen mm -hmm. to our pets. You know, and we always say, you know, before you try to, before you start any of these things, anything that we recommend, it's always best to talk to your veterinarian first, but we can identify areas that maybe, maybe they're painful or maybe sore, or again, the ear infection or the, the tail. I have a patient who had a, a pretty traumatic uh, anal gland expression and uh, it's very difficult to get to the base of his tail and around that area because he's, you know, he's frightened. Uh, of that. So always, you know, if we have, if we can identify these areas ahead of time, that's fantastic. And then we know we either have to go light touch here, maybe avoid it, or maybe use a different type of technique, you know, and, right. and, and touch in itself, just touch in itself is the, is the biggest part of massage and touch 
is really one of the most sensitive of the senses. And maybe you think it doesn't because you touch your dog all the time, but it can be very powerful. It can, conv- it can communicate intention, good or bad. It could calm a frightened animal maybe and, and further nurture that bond. But remember, it can also be uh, annoying, intrusive, or painful. <laughs> Right, right. And you just mentioned bond. And, and, you know, and that's kind of one of the things, too, that I really wanted to emphasize is through that physical touch and that communication through our receptors, you know, back and forth, um, it really does enhance that bond and and work toward creating more trust between you and your your pet. And you talked about, you know, go to the vet, which I 100 percent support to learn maybe areas uh, that we should avoid or be aware of in terms of, of an issue. But I was actually thinking when you were saying that the opposite, I think we have great value as pet owners because we have such instinct and communication with our pets on a subliminal level that oftentimes when we trust our gut, we can identify things that aren't going to be obvious in a veterinary mm-hmm. setting because, right. you know, that's artificial too, right? And there's, mm-hmm. they're maybe a little amped up and their nervous system is overriding things. But, you know, how many times, Kathy, have we heard a pet owner say, you know, whenever I touch my animal here, you know, I feel the skin quiver or there's mm-hmm. a spasm or right. when I stroke my dog down over their back, they sink down away mm-hmm. from me, you know, toward the floor in an attempt to maybe avoid that pressure. So those are things that we can also bring to our veterinarian, let alone what about all the lumps and bumps? Right. Is it a new lump or bump? Has it always been there? Have we tested it? What is it? Is it benign? Is it, you know, something more, you know, nefarious in terms of uh, cancerous growth or something? So right. We can bring a lot to the table through massage. You're absolutely right. And getting familiar with your dog's body and what's normal and not normal for your dog. And, and, you know, so, so some of the things that we can determine, you know, with our hands, in addition to what we've already mentioned is again, maybe swelling, right? Like if you feel one side of their body versus another side of the body, you might notice that, that, wow, it's bigger on this side and it feels kind of boggy and squishy. You know, that could be indicative of an inflammation of swelling or vice versa. Maybe you compare two sides and wow, this leg seems smaller and more bony. It doesn't have as much muscle. There's atrophy there. Is there atrophy because the dog is so good at masking how they're using their limbs? They have three other legs to to walk on and they're not really engaging their muscles on that side. And so the muscles are wasting. Maybe. Right. right. Maybe. Also, your senior dogs, your senior dogs. Oh, yeah. Are gonna see, yeah, yeah. And then in then warmth, you know, I think this is hard for, for people to appreciate. But what I've told folks is to, you know, use the back of your hand, you know, glide it over tissues. And there are naturally warmer and cooler areas. Um, right. Dogs with chronic issues, sometimes the tissues will actually feel colder. Like hip dysplasia over the hip, it feels cooler than maybe it does up along their spine and their back. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're gliding down and wow, that knee feels really, really warm on the back of my hand. Let's check the other knee. Same time. Nope, that one doesn't feel as warm. So is there something going on there? Um, you know, tenderness, you know, a sore spot. Uh, we've already talked about the muscles and relaxation and loosening tissues. Is there a tightness? Is there a ropey feeling? Is there a knot? 
is there spasm? Is it, is it skin spasm or is it deeper than that? Are the muscles really spasming? Is the whole leg shaking when you do a particular type of touch? Does the dog look back at you when you touch a certain area? Do they look, do they whip their head around and take a look, you know, at what you're doing? Um, those are also an indication of, you know, that's a dis- that might be an area of discomfort. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I, I'm not sure we mentioned this, Chris, in our list of benefits, but um, the flexibility of oh. muscle tissue after you've massaged it yeah. and flex- having good flexibility is essential to everyday living especially mm-hmm. if you're a senior dog, you've got to have flexibility. Right. And flexibility is, is one of the key components of overall fitness and wellness. You know, we often think about strength and maybe not so much about balance, but certainly very few people think about flexibility and you can't strengthen muscles appropriately and move appropriately if you don't have the capacity to move within your normal range and be flexible plus mitigating injury because if you're super tight and not flexible and you stumble then you're much more likely to strain or sprain something mm-hmm. because you don't have that flexibility to adapt you know when you right. when you hit the ground or or right. you know right. cut your leg yeah and i i it's the flexibility is essential to everyday living for these animals they have to walking running stair climbing um it's essential for every thing that they do all the movements that they do they need to be flexible for right and we often see in rehab uh you know th- short strides um maybe because of an injury or over time as you mentioned with aging you know everything just gets more compressed and less fluid and less flexible so should we talk a little bit chris about like the prep just before, you know, what, 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 how do we want to set the scene when we're getting ready to um, massage our pet? Yes, let's do that. So I guess one of the first things I think about is what mindset am I in? You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to go in there all jazzed up and like, okay, we're going to do massage. That's <laughs> counterintuitive. So, you know, I think maybe it's better to skip the massage at that point in time mm-hmm. or reset yourself in some way to, to ground yourself and, you know, to maybe do some deep breathing and things like mm-hmm. that before you actually lay your hands on your pet. Right. You've got to try, you've got to change your mindset. I think, I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it a hundred more times. Your dog is an emotional barometer um, and they feel what you are feeling. And that will translate to the dog, you know, via an extension of your arm and hand, and um, it will translate to them. Uh, so you really do, we do need to have a, a, a calm mindset when we're getting ready to do this. Right. And then, and then I think creating a calm physical space, you know, so if you have an active household, you know, kids are running around, you have multiple pets, you know, somebody's making dinner in the kitchen and clamoring with pans and there's you know, smell of mm. foods, you know, that's probably not the, the time or the place to do it. But if you yeah. can go to, you know, maybe a separate room, put on some music to maybe block out, you know, call me music, not, mm-hmm. you know rock and roll, an evil <laughs> rock and roll. Um, but, you know, and, and again, just a you know, comfortable place, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, you put a small dog up on a bed or, you know, next to you on the sofa or, you know, your larger dog on the comfortable dog bed, because you are 
in theory, going to be applying some pressure. So you don't want to be, you know, pushing down onto a hard floor, you know, like a wooden floor or, you know, yeah. Something like that. that. Something supportive and comfortable. Yeah. 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 Like, and, and eliminate those, those other distractions um, by, by being in that quiet place. The other thing I, I've been starting to do with all my patients is, you know, maybe we've done some exercise and now it's time to do some massage. So right. we're switching gears and I want to give them a stimulus cue, a signal that, okay, now we're going to be relaxing. We're going to lie down and we're going to do the rubbies. I take off their collar. I take off their harness. I take off their booties, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And that you know, the first time they may be just like, oh, I always have my collar on. What are you doing? But mm-hmm. over time, it's like, oh, I know what's happening next. Yes, or exactly. Like, again, maybe that stimulus cue could be you go to that special place. You know, you go to the den. Pre- yeah, it becomes predictable. It becomes yep. a predictable thing for them. You know what else I recommend that people uh, do or not do, actually? Uh, because I know I just said your dog's an emotional barometer. You know what else they are? They can what? keep time. They can keep time because if I were to start to massage Mac around three o'clock, which is his dinner time, um, he would not forget that. I typically will not feed, uh, typically not do the massage just before a breakfast or a meal time because my dog will not forget it. <laughs> He's know? hungry. He's going to be thinking about wh- food. what? Yeah, food. <laughs> I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to lay still here. Do what? Have you gone crazy, mom? It's almost three o'clock. It's almost, yeah. And don't think yeah. he'll forget either because he'll start reminding you it too. Um, well, and let's something, talk something to think about, you know. Yes. And let's talk about um, treats to treat or oh, not to treat, if you right. will. Good, good. That That's a tough one because uh, sometimes uh, I, you know, if I'm seeing patients, I'll use a treat to lure them into position and then we mm-hmm. get in position. But some dogs are really like super hyped about taking the treat. So it's kind of an individual thing. If I know a dog is going to be really hyped up about the treats, I don't bring them out maybe till the end if, if I do. Right. Yeah. Reward them for a job well done. Right. But yeah. And I've seen it many times too. I mean, again, my, my uh, clients are well-intentioned, but I'll get the dog, you know, down and relaxed and I start doing their massage and they're like, oh, they're being so good. And they reach over, (laughs) they reach over for the treat jar and boom, you know, the dog's up and, you know, we have to start over again. So yeah, I definitely uh, agree with your point of it's an individual thing. I think most of the time I don't offer them treats while I'm actually doing the massage, because even if they're good and they're going to stay down, I do feel some, some tension, you know, as they reach Mm -hmm. for that treat again, maybe it, it kind of breaks the Zen moment. Um, and you know, and they're chewing and plus I don't want to treat them when they're lying down. Right. That can be dangerous in terms of choking and, and so forth. So lure them into position treats to reward a job well done. Um, and then use discretion in between. Exactly. We don't want to get hype in between. We want to maintain that, that space of calmness. We want to maintain that space. So Chris, the other thing that I might do, actually, I do this quite a bit with a product called Chill Out. I love it, is is use scent in the room. You know, and the the idea of aromatherapy in veterinary medicine is it's relatively new. Uh, but nevertheless, there are some studies that offer some validity to aromatherapy. Uh, Dr. Deborah Wells conducted a study on dogs with travel-induced excitement, and she used the scent of, uh, she used lavender. And what they found when these dogs were exposed to the scent of lavender 
in the car during their travels, they were overall calmer. And I say, well, I think there is some validity to that. Now, I think we talked to uh, Lori Chamberlain the other day and Lori Chamberlain said, uh, or, or a couple of months ago about fear free. And she said, smells are so vital, so important to consider when you're thinking about the environment of putting a dog or a cat in there. I mean, it would be great if it smelled like tuna or liver. I mean, I don't think I would like that, but maybe they they would, or maybe it'd be too much of a stimulus. But any case, I think that um, there are some studies that show that lavender or the scent of lavender can be overall calming for the dog. Well, and I wanted to remind people, we we may not smell the remnants of that spray that you put on the bed three days ago, but they do. Remember how sensitive their scent, sense of smell is. And so don't overdo it. Don't make it, you know, obnoxious. Um, you know, trust that, that they're, they're smelling it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's way superior to yours. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more, you know, we're kind of slipping into this whole concept of, you know, setting the scene, getting mm-hmm. buy-in and ultimately consent from mm-hmm. the pet to engage in massage and consent may sound silly. It's kind of a novel new term that, that we're uh, bantering around these days, but so, so important. And Kathy, you are the queen of consent. So can you describe (laughs) what that, what that means when, when we want to massage our pets? Right. And and when I think about when I want to massage a pet, I don't want to like, I don't want to do something to your pet. I don't want to push something on your pet. I want them to be a part of what I'm doing so that um, they not only enjoy it, right, but um, they're getting the maximum benefits from it because they're in, they're involved, they're in it. So what I look for uh, for dogs uh, when I'm starting to get them ready, you know, for massages, are they comfortable, right? Are they in a nice, comfortable position? Sometimes dogs will do that heavy sigh when they finally like lay down in that comfortable spot. You know, they're like, ah, this is great. Yep. <laughs> And I look for that, that sort of sigh, that release of energy. Um, I look for the facial expressions too. Are they soft? Are the ears soft? Is the tongue out? Is the tongue relaxed? Is the jaw tight or relaxed? Um, and, and if it's not, then maybe I just start with, I'm going to put my hand on your back and we're just going to sit like this for a second and see how this goes and see how you'd like this and see how this feels for you. Um, and if they start to relax, then I'll move into some tissue work, but I'm constantly assessing at each stage of the massage. What is the dog feeling? What is the dog experiencing? What are they seeing? What are they feeling? What are they smelling? Um, and are they still engaged with what you're doing? Now, if they don't consent, Chris, they will often move away from you. Sometimes they get a quick look back, like, Hey, you know, what are you doing back there? Cut that out. Uh, sometimes it's simple things that you have to look for, like lip, lip licking yawning, things like that. All signs um, of stress. All, all signs of the possibility of stress. Or, you know, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on maybe on a muscle that's tight or tense and they're letting me know this is, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I'm uncomfortable with this. Um, I have this patient who I love very, very dearly. Um, her name is Elsa and she is a wheelchair girl. She lives the wheelchair life. And she is so expressive with her facial expressions that there really leaves very little doubt in my mind whether she is involved and okay with what I'm doing or not. And oftentimes when she is involved, she will fall asleep. And if I stop massaging her, she'll wake up and look at me and be like, 
what the hell? <laughs> keep, you done already? Keep, are you? Yeah, listen, TikTok, you still got 15 minutes on the clock, girl. We still got some <laughs> tissue to work yet. And then, of course, when I get to areas that are tight, like her shoulders and stuff, she'll let me know. Um, so I think it, it, it's also a matter of like bonding with that particular patient and getting to know what those, what that patient's face looks like, what their facial expressions look like, what their body language is. And, you know, as a canine rehabilitation practitioner, I find this one of the most rewarding parts of my job is understanding uh, this dog or this pet or this cat and really connecting with them on that level. I mean, touch is so powerful. And just to have them allow me to do it is actually rewarding for me. It's almost an honor. I'm going to allow this to happen. I'm going to allow you to do this. I trust you enough to do this. Um, and now there are some patients who don't. Um, I had another dog named Elsa who made it clear that this was just a business transaction. And I took those seriously. Um, I, I did what she would let me do um, with her consent. And then um, I would try again with some other stuff next week, you know, um, and I knew what her signals were. So, yeah. And, and, you know, this probably sounds, you know, maybe a little daunting because you're like, you know, how do I, I don't know how to read signals, but again, with practice right. and your own dog, you know, you have an N of one, you know, we're treating, mm -hmm. you know, many pets and have for, you know, 20 some years. So the things that Kathy is describing are things and skills, I should say, that have been honed over time. And, you know, I think just to put it very simply, you're never forcing, you're not forcing right. them into a position, you're not holding them down you, by gently and gradually introducing your touch and then just taking a moment to feel their response. That's you asking permission. And if right. they don't react in an adverse way, then they've given consent. You right. may proceed to the next thing, but checking in at various times, because again, we can't make an assumption that just because we got consent in the beginning, that they're going to, you know, allow all the things that we want to do in the course of, mm -hmm. of, you know, our time with them. So, and so my question then, I think that, that I might get from, from clients is, um, well, listen, you know, I, 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 I got 15 minutes still left here on this massage. Why can't we work through this? Why don't you push through? Like, what are the, what are the consequences of us doing that, Chris? What are the consequences of us pushing through a treatment? Well, not only won't it be effective in the moment, because I mean, worst case scenario, if you're not listening to, to the pet, you know, they could not just simply go away, which is kind of one of their first signals is to remove themselves from the situation, but you follow them across the room and you proceed, it could escalate into a physical encounter. You know, right. they don't want to do that. You know, they're trying to give us signals, but if we're not listening, you know, we could end up get, getting bitten. But right. then it, over the long term, if you don't go through this process, and again, think about your pet, you may be introducing this when they're a year old, you expect to, to have them for 15 more years. Right. You want to do things right in the beginning so that the next time, you know, maybe you only got two minutes, the next time maybe you'll get five minutes and the next week maybe 10 minutes. So mm -hmm. being patient and taking your time and reading those signals and getting consent is going to make up for a better long-term relationship, making it positive and ongoing for their lifetime benefit. 
So Kathy, before we get into some of the specific techniques, uh, I think this might be a good time to talk about one of our sponsors and, and give a shout out and, and thank them once again for supporting our mission and show. Um, I think maybe talking about the Heads Up Water Collar is great at this time because we're moving into spring. As Kathy mentioned earlier, we're the beginning of May and, uh, you know, our dogs are going to be uh, getting out in the water more if you're not uh, lucky enough to live in one of those forever warm areas of the country. Chris, this is a very unique product. Um, and one of the things that that really stuck with me and, and caught my attention is the fact that the collar keeps your pet's head and nose above the water, which is something your life vest can't do. And right. it keeps your dog's head and head and nose above the water, even if they become unconscious. So if they have an accident in the water, there's still going to be a, there's still going to be a flotation. They're still going to keep their head and neck head and nose above the water. Yes, and and it's called the Heads Up Pets Water Collar because that's exactly what it does. But they have an alternate website because it ultimately saves your dog from drowning. So it's called SaveDogsFromDrowning.com. You can use either one. And uh, I think, to my knowledge, it's the only product out there that does this important, important task to save our pets' lives. These ladies are doing important life-saving work and um, they help support our show. So when you go to Save Dogs From Drowning, Make sure you use our promo code PETPOD22, that's P-E-T-P-O-D-22, all capital letters. You'll get a 10% discount on your order, and you'll help support our show as well. Awesome. Check them out. So let's move into some specific techniques and try to describe what those might look like. And I know it's maybe hard to envision, but we're going to do our best. And we also have a paired YouTube show on some of these techniques. So (laughs) yeah, so pictures, video, you know, that's worth a thousand words, but we're going to give you a thousand words right now, just to, if you don't get a chance to check out the YouTube video right away and you're listening now. Yeah. And I think that the two most common uh, types of massage that we see, Chris, are in, in patient care is effleurage and petrissage. Can we talk a little bit about the difference between those two? Yes, those are the two kind of umbrella terms. And and I typically start my massage session with effleurage because it's lighter, it's mm-hmm. more diffuse. Mm-hmm. You can use your whole hand with your fingers extended and basically, you know, rub from, you know, head to tail up and down the legs and so forth. Now, having said that, generally you want to, once you kind of get into it and you've, you've introduced that you're doing this, this touch, you generally want to try to follow the venous return of blood flow, which mm-hmm. is counterintuitive because it's opposite of your pet's hair or fur growth. Right. So going toward the heart, if you bring your pet's front limb back along its side, where its elbow bends is where the heart sits. So generally, those long, diffuse strokes are all going toward the heart, toward the body's center. Right. And this is a these this technique is actually a, a light gliding stroke. And like Chris said, with the palm of your hand, or maybe even with a little bit 
you know, adding your, your thumb in there as well. And we're going to push everything towards the heart. So if you're doing limbs, we're going to go up the limb. If you're doing the back, you're going to go towards the heart. If you're doing the head or neck, you're going to go down towards the heart. Right. And this would be a, you know, a time to kind of tune into those lumps, bumps, uh, possible ticks, uh, you know, things like that and, and getting your dog uh, relaxed. Um, oftentimes, I, you know, will will start this technique in the position that the dog offers me. So they may be standing, they may be sitting, but ultimately as they relax or over time, over continuous sessions, I prefer to have the dog lying comfortably on its side. And it may take a little bit to get there, but we call that lateral recumbency. And the reason that we, we want that is because then None of the muscles or tissues that we're trying to treat are engaged. Everything is relaxed. The ground, the floor, their bedding is supporting them. And so we're not having to overcome tension and tightness as they're engaging those muscles to fight gravity when they're upright. Right, exactly. I prefer that too. And sometimes what happens is I'll just start doing a light touch when they're sitting. And then ultimately they sort of go, okay. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. And they, they may be panting at first and then, you know, and then their mouth closes and then you can just kind of feel them melting, you know, under, under your hand. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't overthink this. You know, again, it, it, like I said earlier, it's not that different from petting, maybe just paying attention, paying attention to the direction of your stroke, um, starting light, um, maybe gradually getting uh, a little bit deeper, you know, assessing some of those things that we talked about earlier, uh, paying attention to, is there an area of sensitivity? Are they looking back? You know, is it, is it a painful area? And you may want to avoid that at first. And then when they get more relaxed, you can work toward that more sensitive and painful area gradually, if you get that permission. Yeah. And, and what I'll do gradually then is move in typically Chris to the petrissage technique, which is more of a kneading uh, or rolling or compressing. Um, and I think that I feel like with petrissage, that might be the time that you might maybe get that reaction, like, cause you're getting into deeper mm-hmm. tissue, maybe just keep, keep an eye out for those signals. Like we talked about, because this might be the time that you'll get some type of reaction because you're going in a little bit deeper. Um, right. But you, so it's, so it's definitely, so I guess it's pretty much everything that effleurage isn't. It, it exactly. Could be compression. Yeah. It could be compression. It could be skin rolling. It could be friction. It could be kneading. Um, uh, so bringing, lifting, squeezing, right. Uh, right. you right. know, focused pressure and trying to get something mm-hmm. to melt under, you know, gradually introduced pressure, um, right. you know, strumming across a tight tissue that might feel like a rope. Um, mm-hmm. That's exactly what I say, Kathy, is that petrissage is everything else. Is everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I guess in general, too, we should talk a little bit about, um, you know, rate and rhythm. You know, generally, you want to be methodical and rhythmic and slow, especially if you're trying to, you know, promote that relaxation, if we're trying to wake something up. Um, so, you know, sometimes a dog's rear end uh, might be a little weak or, um, you know, if they have a neurological issue, then I might be a little bit more vigorous and faster in my touch. But generally, don't you agree? We're, we're typically going yes. very slowly. And yes. again, with that, that intention. Slow and methodical, unless I'm doing something like you said, unless I'm trying to wake up that rear end. Um, and then I might be a little bit more vigorous over the hips or maybe, you know, the lower part of the back. 
Um, it depends on the dog's diagnosis and what, of you know, what, I, what I'm trying to accomplish, but usually typically slow, methodical, in tune. Have, I mean, if you think about yourself in terms of yourself, if you've ever had a massage, that's typically what they do and they do, and they'll do quadrants of your body. We'll do your back, your neck, your arm, your lower back, methodical, slow. Um, and it feels good. Sometimes you might even fall asleep, but keep in mind too, if you've ever had a massage that's gone too long, <laughs> yep. now, yeah, now your muscles are getting like a little fatigued yeah. and they're like, oh, get sore. <laughs> And I'm like, stop rubbing in the same place over and over again. You know, I've had unskilled massage therapists um, and, you know, they just keep going back to that same place. And I'm like, oh my, okay, enough already. So again, our dogs can't talk to us. So just make sure that you are paying attention, that you're not mindlessly, you know, digging in there in the same place over and over again. And, you know, we talked about kind of having the, the, the flat open hand for, for effleurage, but mm-hmm. to effectuate the petrissage, your hand is going to be different. You know, again, you're going to be engaging maybe your individual fingers and thumb and different parts of your hand. Um, I think about the meaty parts of my hand, you know, along the outside um, underneath uh, in the palm by your little finger. And then also that meaty area on the palm by your thumb. Those are the Mm -hmm. thenar and hypothenar eminences. And those are good, you know, ways to get in there, but also, think about the size of your dog. You know, if I'm, if I'm massaging a chihuahua, I'm going to be using my fingers. If I'm massaging tips, <laughs> maybe yeah, I mean, yeah, fingertips. if I'm massaging a mastiff, I've gotten in there with my elbow and forearm, you know, yes, and, yes. and yeah. gone, you know, along their back and, you know, again, you know, their hips, their thighs. I often think about when I was, uh, a therapist at the University of Colorado working in sports medicine. I mean, those dogs are like my football players, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have the chihuahuas that are like your, your little dancers or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also want to mention in terms of relaxation to never break away if you can help it from the surface of your dog. So again, they maybe can't see you. You may be behind Mm -hmm. them at their rear end. And if you stroke, lift your hand and then reintroduce your touch in a different area, that can be quite startling. So maybe the pressure is going in one direction. That's the more therapeutic effect. But then Mm -hmm. you glide back lightly to that starting point. So Sometimes the pet knows I'll at do all it. times where your hand is. Exactly. And I, I try not to break contact ever. And if I need to, I'll just go hand over hand, glide with one hand, put my other hand, glide, lift that one hand up and, and replace it, you know, again and glide. So I usually will end all massages with an effleurage. Yep. I've, I've continued that contact, you know, so exactly. I'm effleurage, petrissage, and then effleurage again. It's a great way to finish because again, we're, we're working toward that body center. So any waste products that we've uh, gotten out of those dense, tight tissues, now mm-hmm. we're helping the body to get them towards its organs where it can process those waste products, you know, the liver, the kidneys and so forth. So we want to facilitate that circulation, that movement toward the the heart, toward the abdomen to, to get rid of that. And that also brings me to a point when I'm thinking about waste products, make sure that your pet is hydrated, try to encourage them to drink before the massage 
as well as after, because that's going to help with that circulation. Same with people, you know, we get told that kind of thing all the time, you know, to get the best and most comfortable massage, make sure you're hydrated going into it, or it's much less to get uh, that little complimentary yeah, water tolerated. Water at the end. Yeah. You get that little mm-hmm. complimentary. Ball at the end. Yeah. 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 Um, Chris, let me um, ask you this. How long do you think a full massage, how long do you think it should take? Well, I think that's a bit of a loaded question because uh-huh. if I'm doing a full body massage on a Yorkie, mm-hmm. it might take me 10 minutes. Yeah. If I'm doing, and again, I've gotten consent and I can do a full body massage on a giant breed dog, that might take me 30 minutes mm-hmm. because you're just covering more area. What do you, what do you f- think about that, Kathy? I was going to say, when you said Yorkie, I was thinking uh, seven-ish, like maybe yeah, seven to ten. Five to ten minutes. I was going to say five to ten minutes. I don't know why it was seven. I don't know. But yeah, like. <laughs> good compromise. A good compromise. So yeah, somewhere in that five to ten minute period. And with larger dogs, I think 20 to 30, probably, um, you know, as long as the dog is consenting in that 20 to 30 yeah. time frame. And, and I dog. certainly have dogs that I've been doing uh, soft tissue work, um, but this includes other techniques too. So, you know, we've done shows on passive range of motion and stretching, and I do, you know, some joint work, joint mobilizations. And with that, of course, the, the massage. So, um, you know, I, I would say on my regulars, that whole process probably takes me maybe 20 minutes aside. So like 40 minutes, but again, that's including all these other all these things. Other things yeah. yeah. So if you're strictly doing massage, I, I agree with you, Kathy. And, and I do think that that's, I often say like any massage is better than no massage. Mm-hmm. So if you think like, oh, I don't have 30 minutes to massage Marmaduke, mm-hmm. you know, spend, spend five minutes just massaging their neck. Right. You know, right. It's, it's so yeah. great. You know, do, do anything. Yeah. 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 Can we talk a little bit about um, skin rolling? Because I definitely, we definitely covered this in our YouTube um, tutorials and I think it's something so simple that owners can do and dogs love it and cats love it too. Just yes, say yes, Kathy, let's, let's talk about skin rolling and maybe some compression. And if yeah. we have time, maybe even a little bit of scar mobilization. Ooh, fancy. Um, I love the skin rolling technique and um, I like to do it a lot on my dog because he's got a lot of skin. And what I'm doing is I'll start just like at the, like we talked about before, about going from one position to the other. So from the butt and up towards the heart, I'll just grab and roll up the skin in between my fingers and I'll roll it. Um, and there's a tutorial. So it's a little bit easier to see what I'm doing when we, when you see the video, but picking up the skin and rolling it. And actually there's just a little bit of a tugging technique. It's very gentle, like lift, lift and roll, little tug. So, so Kathy, I think, you know, in, in observing you doing this on our, our YouTube tutorial, you're, you're lifting the skin, you're grabbing, you're lifting, and then you're pushing that skin kind of away from you to that next spot and then grabbing, lifting and pushing again. Um, and of course it depends on, you know, again, the size of the dog, how loose their skin is and so forth. Sometimes I just lift. Sometimes I just pull it away. And the neck is always a good place. If you're going to kind of practice, I think it's maybe doing it around that neck area because dogs, you know, traditionally, you know, think about the mom, you know, holding the puppy by the neck, you know, they have, they're built to have some excess kind of skin in that area, no matter what the the breed is. So, right. And when you lift it up and roll like that, you're, 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 you're lifting up the fascia, right. Off of the, 
the muscle and we're getting uh, oxygen and blood flow um, to that area. Right. And, some, and sometimes if you have dogs that have scars for whatever reason, uh, good blood flow doesn't get to scar okay. tissue area. You know, you got to, you got, and sometimes it adheres to tissues underneath and that limits mobility. So that Absolutely. skin rolling, you know, is good for that. Yep. It, it tugs and causes discomfort because the, the job of the scar is to knit tissue together. And right. so it tends to bind and um, some beings are more predisposed to laying down excessive scar, um, which can be very mobility limiting or uncomfortable. Um, and so, uh, yeah, let's just quote roll right into to scar <laughs> mobs because what I'll do, like, again, post-operatively, and we can start pretty early, is, uh, you know, kind of pushing toward that incision or toward that injury. So you're not applying traction as if you were going to open the scar. You're actually pushing as if you were closing that wound. And that's kind of freeing up the tissue around it. And I go from all directions and kind of paying attention to where it's more mobile in terms of, of that skin and starting very, very light. Yep. And then over time, getting a little deeper and actually touching the, the incision itself. So again, talking about something post-surgical, let's wait till those sutures and staples are out. It's closed. And then I'll take, you know, maybe my my forefinger or my thumb and put it right on the incision and do really tiny little circles. Yeah. Little and <laughs> what's that? I'm sorry. What well, you're not lifting, right? You're just no, okay. you're doing little you're kind of doing just gentle pressure. But Kathy, earlier you were talking about more chronic scar tissue, I think. And mm -hmm. over time, what we want to do is be able to lift that incision just like we can lift the skin around it off the underlying tissue. And for people that don't know what fascia is, it's basically the saran wrap of our bodies. So there's a huge layer of, sur of saran wrap, if you will, under our skin, fascia under our skin. But then it dives in these planes around our organs, envelops our muscles, and can really be a, a source of, of tightness and movement restriction. Mm -hmm. So a lot of lay people don't know what fascia is or the function of fascia, but it can be a real problem and you can easily address it by doing right. the skin roll. Right. And let's talk about, as we're wrapping up, let's talk a little bit about compression because I really like to use compression um, all over the body. And, and sometimes I'll just incorporate it into the massage itself because it's such a great body awareness exercise. Mm -hmm. you it know? can be a good introduction to like the, the effleurage is you can mm -hmm introduced via compression. So yeah, describe that, Kathy. So, well, I'll talk about how I, usually what I do with the limbs is I'll kind of, I want to use the word sandwich, you know, I'll put my, their leg on my hand and I'll put my hand on top of their leg. And then I'll just gently compress from the bottom of their leg up the leg. And I'll do that to all four limbs. And then when I get to the body, I will just gently, gently compress towards the center of the yeah. body. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, and I like how you said that it, it really, again, enhances that body awareness and areas right. that, that we, you know, may not uh, pay attention to otherwise. Yeah. So, and I think that that's all on our YouTube channel. So mm -hmm. if you haven't um, subscribed to that, go to Petability podcast and uh, subscribe to that. We have lots of great tutorials and videos and our shows are on there. So uh, go there and subscribe and take a look at all the other things we have there as well. Yes. And, and then finally, let's talk about our other sponsor because 
What great time to introduce some enrichment, some reward when you're done doing the massage (laughs) by subscribing to a dog's best life box. The website is a dogsbestlifebox.com. It's filled with all kinds of goodies, uh, enrichment toys, puzzles, uh, treats of various types, uh, chews to help calm them. You can get it one time. You can get it monthly. You can get it quarterly, which is a seasonal theme. And they're constantly adding to their product line and what we're able to uh, order via the the website, adogsbestlifebox.com, such that now if you just wanted to try maybe a product, um, you can order one item. Uh, Yeah. Matt gives adogsbestlifebox.com a 10 out of 10 or four paws up. Uh, he loved everything and he loved everything in that box. Um, so if you're thinking about ordering from a dog's best life again, go to their website, use our promo code pet pod 22. That's P E T P O D 22 capital letters. You'll get 10% off on your first order and they'll spend, send you a special gift too. Yes. Which is a fantastic treat pouch with a squeaker. And if you aren't subscribing or following us on Instagram, I think Kathy, we have some uh, videos and pictures of my dogs enjoying some of their items (laughs) from uh, a dog's best life box.com as well. So uh, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Uh, Use pet pod 22, all caps and get your discount and your special gift. Well, thank you, Chris. This was wonderful. (laughs) Yes, Kathy, this was a a great show. You can see I get all fired up when talking about uh, things that I'm passionate about and uh, and you do as well. So um, people get out there, get your hands on your dogs. Don't be afraid. Don't overthink it. Um, But uh, please check out the YouTube channel and listen and share uh, this show with your family and friends because it can just help so many out there. All right, then. Thank you, Chris. Bye. Bye, Kathy. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Petability Podcast. For more information about Kathy's books and living with blind dogs, please visit EnableYourPet.com. Thank you, and please tune in next time.